Well, it's Easter. Uh, undoubtedly, uh, today will be about the resurrection of Jesus, and it certainly is that. And if that were all, if we were just thinking about Easter from the sense of church tradition, if the only thing that happened was that Jesus lived and died, and it's the tradition of today that we celebrate, it would still be a great day. It would still be a great thing to celebrate. If the only thing that happened, and while this may not seem like an only thing, but if the only thing that happened was that a man who had been dead for three days came back to life, if there were no further spiritual implications of that, if that was it, if a guy had been dead for three days, any guy had been dead for three days, and then he came back to life, it would be worth talking about, no doubt about that. If we were, as I said, simply commemorating a great church tradition, well, that would still be something worth having today. If it were the fact that normally on a normal Easter Sunday, there would be people in church that don't normally come to church. If it were just that, that attendance went up, that more people were attuned to what was going on in the church world, hey, that would be worth having a special day to do, wouldn't it? If all it was that... We commemorated, hey, if Easter was just a day that gave us all a reason to get on our Sunday best and dress up and come to church, hey, that maybe that would be a good reason. If all it was, how about this one? If all Easter was was a time for us to make our moms happy and for us to all come to church together, even though we're not here, I bet your mom still called you and said, hey, do you have the stream on today? Maybe there wasn't the same leverage because I can remember lots of people telling me, hey, if I didn't come to church, I didn't get to come to Sunday Easter dinner. So all of those things, if, if it was only that, if it were only those things, it would still be a great day. But what I want you to consider today is that it is exponentially more than that. Listen, I would even go so far to say is that if all that it meant was that your sins were forgiven and you got to leave this life and go to heaven, that would, I mean, goodness, and that's sort of what most of us think about this. It's resurrection day. Jesus has gotten up from the grave. Oh, it's a great day to celebrate. And all of that is true, but I want you to think this morning about something even more than that. In fact, it's the real reason, it's the substance of why having your sins forgiven and being redeemed and going to heaven someday, it's the substance that makes that really, it's the meat in that message. It's the real strength of that message. It's the heart of that. You say, well, pastor, what is it? Well, I've entitled this message, well, Easter, there you go, but <laughs> It's, it's entitled Restored, Restored, that we've been restored to Christ. What does it mean in Christ's death and resurrection? You and I were restored to something. I think that, that doesn't have the punch that I, that I or any preacher or that any of us would hope when we say that, okay, we've been restored. That sounds like church rhetoric. It sounds like church speech, but what does it really mean? And in order to understand what it really means for you and I to have been restored, 
you've got to understand what you were before you lost what you were that you are now restored to. You see, none of us have ever lived in that. We've only lived in this unrestored state. You've only lived in this world. You've never experienced what you were really made to be. And in this Easter celebration, in the resurrection of Jesus, you and I have been restored. But in order for that to carry any weight for you today, you need to understand what it is that we lost in order to understand what we've been restored to. In order to do that, let me show you some scriptures from the Old Testament that talk about what we were before sin entered the world. Let's begin in the very beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. You may say, well, pastor, this isn't a resurrection scripture. Just hold on a little bit. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 and 29 says this, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. We'll talk about the pieces in that a moment. Let's let's just flip one page and go to Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. A couple more, one more chapter, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. We read this, And he said, this is Adam, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked And I hid myself. And then one more, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Several several verses, there are four sections of Scripture that give us a picture of what it was in the Garden of Eden prior to sin. You see, that's the very best place for us to understand what God's plan was, what God had brought to pass, what God's vision for mankind was before sin. God certainly knew, but what we live in now, this even this, this very exponentially different time, this thing that we're enduring, this isn't God's plan. This is a result of sin. Sickness came because of sin, the degradation of our bodies, the introduction of the disease processes, all of the the decaying of our bodies, even the aging and the dying of our bodies. None of that was God's plan. That's come because of what's gone on in our world since the beginning in the garden. You see, there were things that we read in these sections of scriptures that I want to point out to you. Six things this morning that I want you to notice that were a part of God's created order for mankind. First one we see in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. The Lord created you and I. He started it with Adam and Eve, but it was God's created plan for us that we would be fruitful. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he intended, he created us to be fruitful. You and I were not 
designed by God to not bear fruit. This is not only an indication of, of the bearing of children. This is talking about the kind of people, the kind of person that God made you to be. You're to be a fruitful person. You're to be creative. There's supposed to be things growing out of you, just, just exploding in your mind with the presence of God, showing you things to do, showing you ways to go, showing you things you can be. And the fruit of the presence of God is supposed to be coming out of your life. You were made to be divinely fruitful and to bear fruit. That fruit's supposed to bless others around you. You're supposed to be living a life in which the fruit that comes out of your life is to be a blessing to those around you, those in your marriage, those in your relationship, those that work for you, those that you work with. The fruit of the kingdom of God coming out, that's what God created you to be and to live in that fruitfulness. You were made to be fruitful. You weren't made to be barren or solemn or, or, or broken or destitute or lost or lonely. You were made by God to be like a beautiful tree that just bears fruit on every side and in every season of life. God made you to be fruitful. Secondly, just moving quickly through these, Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 also says, you were created now. It was God's plan. If you're not living in this, it's not God's plan that you're not. You were created to have dominion. Hmm. You were created to rule over the things that try to come into your life. You were created by God to rule over the circumstances around you. You were made by God as the apex of his creation to have dominion over all of his creation. There was not supposed to be anything that overwhelmed you and I. There wasn't supposed to be anything that kept you up at night, kept you without peace, kept you in some sort of solemn depression. You were created by God to live in dominion. Hallelujah. That dominion expressed itself in the natural world, but also in your emotional world and in your spiritual world and in your relational world. You were created by God to live in perfect dominion, not some sort of ogre that ruled over like with a foot on the throat. No, it was a graceful thing. You were above it. You lived in the presence of God where nothing in your environment was ever over you. You ruled in God's created plan for your life. Thirdly, Genesis 1.29, you were created to live in God's provision. God fed them. God took care of them. Their environment was controlled by the provision of God. The things that they needed, they didn't want for, they didn't worry about, they didn't have to think about how they were going to take care of what was going to need, what, the, what their needs were in their life. They lived in incomplete, in there's a new one for you, in complete and perfect peace because of God's provision. They lived in that they walked in it. They breathed it in. They lived in complete peace. Why? Because they knew that their father would supply all of their needs according to his riches in glory. And they knew that there was no end to that. They lived in the provision of God. Their food, their housing, every need that they had was provided for them by the presence of God in which they lived. They were created to live in that provision. They were never intended by God to be outside of it. Mm, my goodness, that's good. Fourthly, they were created with a purpose. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. 
I want you to know that if you are living a situation right now, you're living in a season of life where you don't think you have any purpose, I want you to know on the authority of God's word, that's not God's plan for your life. You were created with purpose. You were created to have a meaningful life. You were created to do meaningful things and accomplish meaningful goals and to advance the world around you because of your involvement in it. God made you with a heavenly divine purpose. While you were in your mother's womb, he made you. He crafted your talents and your ideas and your creativity and your strengths. The hairs on your head are numbered. The days that God has placed you on this earth, they are numbered by him. And he created you with divine, wonderful, joyous, fulfilling, oh, purpose ordained by God. He gave you a purpose. You didn't get your purpose from your mom and dad, and you did not get your purpose from them. Your purpose is not established by your employer or by the the degrees that you have amassed. Those are all good. Your purpose is not greater because you have more money in the bank and people with less money have less purpose. No, your purpose was created by God. Adam and Eve lived in that purpose. You say, my pastor, you're passionate about this. Yes, because we were created to live in God's purpose. Fifth, Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. You were created healthy. Sickness didn't come until the fall. As far as we know, Adam and Eve didn't age. They didn't ever get sick. We don't even know if their bodies got tired. I can't tell you for sure that it didn't. But we do know that they lived healthy lives, completely sustained by the presence of God, never aging, never decaying, never getting sick, never being bound up by sickness, never never having to worry about uh, COVID-19, didn't have to worry about pneumonia or cancer or emphysema or any of the diseases that you and I deal with. They had no health deficit in any way. That was God's created purpose. He made their bodies exactly like what they needed to be. God set them in order. And they were perfect. And they were healthy. Number six, you were created, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, to be filled with life. It was like everything, everything that mankind, it was God's Plan. I believe this, that everything that you set your hands or your mind or your heart to do, it would erupt in life. It would produce life. It would sustain life. It would bring about new life. Their, their whole beings just emanated the life force that God had poured into them, and everything they touched was filled with life. My goodness, what a place. What a life. What what an existence to get up every day with a fruitful life and a life that had dominion and a life that lived in God's provision and a life that was filled with purpose and a life that walked around perfectly healthy, pouring abundant life into everything you touched. Man, that's an existence, isn't it? And that's exactly what Adam and Eve seemed to have lived in. Hmm. But all of that, now listen, listen carefully. Maybe you're watching this today and you don't believe all the stuff that the church puts out. Fine, but hear this. That life that I just described to you 
oh goodness, there's something in you right now that says, yes, that's what I was created for. You feel it inside that that thing that I just described is exactly what you should be experiencing. Why aren't you? Why isn't humanity? Why is the world shut down right now? Because in one moment of disobedience, Adam, the the emissary of God to this earth, the holder, if you will, of the deed of this earth, the, the administrator of God on this planet, in one moment of sin, forfeited all of that because of disobedience to God's command to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of those benefits, which are not inherent in man, they are inherent in God. All of that was lost when we were forced outside of God's presence. You see, all of that, all of those things, the fruitfulness and the dominion and the provision and the purpose and the health and the life, all of that doesn't emanate in us. We are the conduits for it. We are the receptors and the givers of it, but it doesn't begin in us. It begins in your heavenly Father. You see, you and I were never intended to be outside. You weren't created to live outside of the presence of God. You were created to live in the presence of God. And what we remember today, come on, oh, what we remember today is much more than church tradition. It's much more than just a story of a man who died on the cross, even though that's a wonderful story. What we remember today is more than that. It's more than just a family gathering date or a spring festival date. Listen, and I I understand the history of what Easter is. I've read it many times and studied it. Listen, but what you and I do today, it's more than any of that. We were not created to live outside of the presence of God today. Oh, hallelujah. What we celebrate today is the day when the sons and daughters of God by the resurrection of Jesus have been restored to their creative place. We have been repositioned. We have been taken from the sin and the degradation and the uh, and, the, and the orphan status of being outside of God's presence. And by the resurrection of Jesus, you have been restored into God's creative position. Today, what we celebrate when Jesus died on the cross and when he was rose, when he arose, the veil of the temple was rent. Access to the Father was restored. You see, there is something in the character of God that cannot abide sin. And when Adam sinned, all of mankind lost access to his presence. And in so doing, we lost the fruitfulness and the dominion and the provision and the purpose and the health and the life. And we lived as strangers and aliens outside of what we were created to live in. And today, the sons and daughters of the king of all creation celebrate the day when they were restored to their created birthright, when the impenetrable veil between created heirs of God and God was removed. Today, we celebrate the moment when you were allowed back into your father's presence. And with that presence comes fruitfulness again. Are you living a life that's unfruitful? Listen to me, I'm telling you right now that the reason for that is because you're not in the presence of God. Because it's impossible to be in the presence of God and not bear good fruit. 
Are you living under the load of the cares of this life where everything else has dominion and you're at the bottom of the heap? I want you to know that because of the resurrection of Jesus and the price paid for your sins, he can lift that weight off of you and set you back up as an heir of God and joint heir with Jesus and you can once again live in dominion. Are you wondering every day how you survive, where the next meal's coming from, how you're going to pay the bills. I want you to know that if you'll give your heart to Jesus, he'll make provision for you. He'll open up doors of opportunity. Now listen, here's one of the things I want to tell you that preachers won't normally tell you. Oftentimes the provision of God comes in the form of a dirty four-letter word, W-O-R-K. It gets you a job, but money doesn't fall from heaven but God will provide for you. You worried about the health of your physical body? I wish I could tell you, I do believe in supernatural healing. We'll pray for you that God will supernaturally heal you, but I'm telling you that regardless of what happens on this earth, because of the resurrection of Jesus, there's coming a moment where every tear will be wiped away and you'll take off this mortal skin that ages and decays and you will one day put on an immortal body that is not corruptible anyway, and you'll step into perfect health where you'll never grow old and you'll never age and you will never get sick again in the presence of God. But you can't do that and you won't know that if you're not restored. And if you're looking for life, I mean a good life, you're not going to find it in the world. You're only going to find it in the presence of God. What does it look like? What does it look like when someone is restored? What's it look like to be an orphan and then have God restore you? You were an orphan. Sin had caused you to fall outside of the fruitfulness and the dominion and the provision and the purpose and the health and the life of God. But on this day, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus the perfect Lamb of God who died to take away your sins and to restore you to what God created you to be. You're not intended to be alone. You're not intended to be outside of the provision of God. But sin and all the things of this world that promote sin keep you outside of God's purpose. But you weren't created for that. Today is all about the restoration of all that was lost in Adam's sin. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says this, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You were created by God to be in his presence. And in the resurrection of Jesus, death lost its final battle. And the opportunity came for you to be restored to Jesus. How about you this morning? Have you done that? Do you know your father in that way? Are you living in the fruitfulness and the dominion and the provision and the purpose and the health and the life that God has for you? If not, you can begin that today. Come on, begin it today. Don't run from the father anymore. Don't run from his love. Don't run from his provision how do you begin that life? Well, it begins by you surrendering your life to Jesus, by you taking his kingdom into you and saying, Father, you're the Father, you're the Lord, I'm, I'm the servant. 
and I give my life to you. Why don't you do something with me right now? If you don't know those things, if something in this has spoken to you, would you bow your heads right there where you are right now? And would you ask the Father to forgive you? That's where it begins. You see, the issue is your sin. Jesus died on the cross to remove those sins and to restore you into right relationship with your heavenly Father where you were intended to be. But until you ask him and until you surrender your life and allow him to once again be the Lord, you won't know that. You won't know all of those things in your life. So why don't you bow your heads right now where you are and ask him. Maybe you would pray a prayer that sounded something like this. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Take my sin. Remove it from me. I accept your lordship. Lord, I'm living outside of your purpose for my life. I'm living without fruitfulness. There's no good thing coming out of my life. Everything rules over me. I like to act like I'm in control, Lord, but I'm not. I have no dominion. Lord, I don't have your provision. I need your purpose. I need the health of God in my life, and I need you to just bring life. Lord, everything I touch, it dies. In some way, it dies. Take my sin. Become my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you did that, somewhere at the bottom of this feed, there's a link. If not that, you can go to Abundant.Church and you'll see a discipleship tab. You can click there. We'd love to engage in this with you. We'd love to be a part of your becoming all that God has called you to be. Now, we want to do one more thing today. There is another church tradition that Jesus started. It's the tradition of Holy Communion. It's the tradition where we remember. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, the scripture says, that he took both wine and bread and he took the wine and he took the bread and he used those emblems as the pieces of his sacrificial life. Both the bread, which represents the body of Jesus, and the juice, which represents his spilled blood. He instituted those things as a part of us remembering this day where we are restored. The bread, as I said, represents the body of Jesus, and the juice represents his shed blood. If you've got those, many of you picked them up from the church this week. If you don't, maybe you, maybe you weren't ready. Maybe you have some, go, go grab a piece of bread. Go grab a cracker. Go grab a, some sort of juice. It doesn't even have to be grape juice. It is not and I know that there would be those that would argue with me, but it's not the emblems, it's the remembering. That's the real tradition. And this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we remember what he did. And we don't just, we don't just remember bread and juice, we remember in the bread, we remember the brokenness and the suffering and the agony. Jesus was crucified about nine in the morning about noon, the sky grew dark, Matthew tells us. And it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon that Jesus died. Before that, even before the crucifixion, he was beaten, he was scourged, 
He was terribly treated. The suffering began earlier that. But at 9 a.m. on Good Friday, Jesus began to endure the suffering of the cross. And for six hours, he experienced unimaginable agony. And let's remember that on each side of Jesus were condemned criminals, but he'd done nothing wrong. In fact, he was even sinless. Not only had he not committed any crime, he'd never committed a sin, and he died for you. In the remembering of that and in the acceptance of that, we are restored. By now, maybe you've had time to go get a cracker or some bread. Bread symbolizing the Lord's broken body. Let's take the bread and let's do so and remember his suffering. Thank you, Father. We'll just come back to you. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, we remember. Come on, tell him you remember right now. Tell him that his death was not in vain. That you accept it. Why don't you say to the Lord, Father, Jesus, I accept your broken body and I accept the restoration that you provide by that. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you. And you hold in the cup or maybe in something that you have there at home some sort of juice. This juice is incredibly significant. It's a symbol of the Lord's blood that he poured out for you. The scripture says that it's the symbol of a new covenant. The blood provided that covenant. It was from that blood that your sins were removed from you. And what we remember is that we've been restored You're not a nobody. You're not insignificant. You were so loved that God gave his best, his only begotten son. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God loves you. Accept his free gift. And let's remember the shedding of Christ's blood by the symbol of the juice. Let's take the juice. Oh, we thank you, Father. you, Father. Mm. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for this restoration and this resurrection morning. We won't forget, Lord, until all the world has heard continue to tell your story. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Aren't you glad? Aren't you thankful for all that the Lord's done for you? Well, let me tell you what we're going to be doing here over the next six weeks. Over the next six six weeks, I'm going to be digging into each one of these. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to be fruitful and the fruitfulness that the Lord intends to be a part of your life and then week two we'll talk about dominion and then provision and then purpose and health and life because God has restored you to those and while we're not at the Garden of Eden level there is provision, there is fruitfulness, there is dominion there is purpose, there is health and there is life and God wants to bring those to your life 
Well, happy Easter. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Thank you for watching this stream. Thank you for celebrating communion with us. Once again, very important. If you were one of those that prayed that prayer to accept Jesus this morning, would you would you send us a message? Goodness gracious, there's all kinds of ways. You can do it in the feed there on the uh, on the stream. You can, you can find us on our website at abundant.church. There are lots of ways you can connect to us through that. We'd love to engage with you and be a part of your salvation journey help you learn about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for being with us. I will be here tonight at 5. I may not do it from this location, but we will have prayer tonight at 5. If you'd like to join me uh, during that that time when we we stream that, I'd love to have you back here at 5 o'clock. Once again, thank you so much for spending an hour of your Easter morning with us. God bless you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Have a blessed day. We'll see you back here online soon. God bless you.